It's time, Fort Wayne. Your sports, your station. It's the Sports, sports Rush, Rush with Brad Rush. Covering all the topics that hit a nerve here in the Summit City. Only on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Now here's your host, Brett Rump. The greatest, most interesting, most important person of all time. You are incredible! Over and I'm one. Yeah, well, you're half right. What is this amateur hour? This is going to be huge. This is going to be our finest hour. Old friends. Just when I think you've said the stupidest thing ever, you keep talking. I think that's the worst thing I've ever heard. That boy ain't right. The simplest way to put it. I have problems. Welcome to the alleged show. Little snow coming down. It's time to head home and enjoy a Thursday with the Sports Rush. Your daily local sports fix, 4 to 6. Brett Rump, Adam Lundy, our producer. And we are here until 6 o'clock. And then it's off to the Memorial Coliseum. Mastodon's basketball tonight as the Mastodon's return to the Allen County War Memorial Coliseum to take on the Green Bay Phoenix. Game time, 7.05. Pre-game, 6.45. Here on Fort Wayne Sports Station. 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. But, hey, for our two hours, we're taking advantage of the time they're giving us because we've got Chris Denary, TV play-by-play voice of the Indiana Pacers from Bally's Sports, Indiana. And uh, he was on the call last night when the Pacers took on the Philadelphia Sixers. We'll talk about that game and more with Chris Denary. Also, Greg Rakestraw, one of our favorites down in Indianapolis, wears so many hats, including... The Colts post-game radio host that you hear right here on Fort Wayne Sports Station. 1380 The Fan, 100.9 FM. Uh, He will join us. You know, he had a special partner last night. He was doing a high school game. I think it was uh, Lawrence North and Park Tudor or Lawrence Lawrence Central and Park Tudor. And sitting alongside Greg Regstraw on the call on the ISC Sports Network was former Mastodon's coach, head coach, Dane Fife. Taking a little break from coaching, yeah. trying to analyze what his future is going to be. And so that was kind of fun. We'll ask, ask Greg about that uh, when we talk to him coming up in hour number two at about 520. Also, Eric Dute, Dute Kevich joins us in his weekly slot just after 530. We'll talk to Dute about uh, high school basketball, boys and girls, top fives coming your way from Dute at 535 this afternoon. Mentioned that the Pacers played last night in Philadelphia. And I'll tell you, the Pacers are competing with just about anybody in the NBA. They got wins over Golden State. Uh, they got that win on the road at Miami. They got a win on the road at Boston. Uh, I mean, you look at who the Pacers are beating. They beat the Clippers. And they went on the road and took on Philadelphia last night and really kind of let it slip away. Now, it depends on the perspective because they were down by 13 and made a great comeback and actually took a four-point lead. That was in the fourth quarter. They were mm-hmm. down 13 in the fourth quarter and came back over the last nine and a half minutes and had a four-point lead with like 40 seconds left and ended up a couple of turnovers and Philadelphia tied it up, sent it into overtime where the Pacers could not get a call. And we're going to ask Chris Denary about that because, you know, they got the two-minute report that comes out on the NBA. Mm-hmm. I didn't have a chance to see it today, but it will be interesting to get Chris's take and see what he learned because um, not in an unprofessional manner, but Chris was somewhat critical of the officiating down the stretch last night. Mm-hmm. 
And uh, I think the way he put it was it will be very interesting to look at the two-minute report that comes out from the NBA tomorrow, which would have been today. Uh, Pacers did not get a couple of calls that they needed in that overtime. And as a result, the Philadelphia 76ers won it 129-126. And, you know, what's crazy is that might not even been the game of the night. I know. That was uh, that was the crazy part of it is uh, there was another game yeah. that had a more drastic change of events down the stretch. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure we're talking about the same game here. It's the Milwaukee Bucks and the Toronto Raptors. We were texting. Yeah, I mean, it was uh, the Bucks led 90 to 69 with three minutes and 50 seconds left in the fourth quarter. Toronto cut it to 97-94 with about 25 seconds left in the game. Yeah, but what you're missing. Yeah. Is it was 11 with under a minute left. That too. I think it was an 11-point game with 50 seconds remaining. 11 with 50 seconds remaining. Yeah. And it got down to the stretch or got down to the final possession. And uh, Garrett, was it Gary Trent Jr.? It was. It was Gary Trent Jr. hit a tying three. Yeah. Step back three. Over Lopez, who had picked him up on a switch. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was a mismatch advantage to Toronto. So Toronto ends up tying it. Now, the unfortunate part of this story (laughs) is it was all for naught. They ended up just basically burning extra energy because ultimately it was uh, Grayson Grayson Allen. Allen. Can you believe of all people? (laughs) They They let him do it. They let him hit a shot in the corner. And, I mean, there was another dramatic finish in the NBA. Did you happen to see the late game finish? Uh, Sadiq Bey for the Pistons hit a game winning shot against the Golden State Warriors with a second left. Pistons beat the Warriors. There you go. In Golden State. In Golden State. That's only the, is that the second loss at home this year for not, Golden State? Not sure, but yeah, Sadiq Bay shocking the Warriors there in uh, Golden State. All right, State. if you've got to bring it up, you got to do your research, All right. Adam, because right. you can't just throw something out there and not have it uh, prepped. Let's check, take a look. I know that that Golden is... Golden State is 17-3. and three. So two of those, yeah. So they, yeah, uh, so they were 17-2 and two prior to last night. And, of course, we know that the Pacers beat Golden State at Golden State, so there's two of the three losses. Um, yeah, I think Golden State's got the best home record in the NBA. Uh, might still have it because there's some 14-3s, and 15-3s, but 17-3 uh, looks to be the best home record still in the NBA. And the Pistons, the Pistons. Sadiq Bay. Sadiq Bay Came in and... Uh, wow. Well, what a night in the NBA. For oh, the Pacers, yeah. It was awesome. For the Pacers uh, last night, um, it, you know, we, we talked about that furious rally coming back from uh, 13 points down. They were uh, led by Buddy Heald with 24. Ben Matherin kind of took over down the stretch. They, mm-hmm. they cleared out and just let their rookie go to work. And a couple of times, maybe overly aggressive, he tried to jump over or through players instead of <laughs> around them. And uh, got called for an offensive foul on one, got the defensive call on the other. He's certainly not afraid of contact. No, not afraid of contact, and he is not shy about taking over a basketball game late. Yeah. And uh, Matherin ended up 19 points, 5 of 15. Not exactly the most efficient performance, but 19 points from Matherin. But again, the Pacers show their balance. Yeah. And this is something that's helped them to... uh, well, they had won six out of seven going into last night, so now six of their last eight. But they got 24 from Heald. Um, they got 19 from Matherin, 17 from Jalen Smith, 16 from Tyrese Halliburton, 14 from Miles Turner, 12 from Andrew Nebhard, 
they got uh, 11 from Aaron Neesmith. All five starters were in double figures. Yep. As the uh, Sixers won the game despite not having Joel Embiid on the floor. Uh, they were led by the 26 of James Harden. And uh, they also had seven players that reached double figures in the game, including 19 apiece from uh, Harris, Melton, and Harrell. And, you know, Montrez Harrell and uh, and um, Tobias Harris, you kind of expect that those guys could, could have solid games, but it was uh, DeAndre Melton or DeAnthony Melton mm-hmm. that ended up being a little bit of a difference maker. He had a couple of big threes. Yeah. Uh, in that game last night for the Sixers. So Pacers look to regroup. They're going to be back at it tomorrow night at home against the Portland Trailblazers. In fact, the Pacers will play the next two at home. Uh, after they get done with the Trailblazers, they're back home on Sunday night against the Charlotte Hornets. But we'll talk to Kristen Harry about the Pacers uh, coming up in about 30 minutes from now. Mastodons, we mentioned, they get back to the Horizon League action tonight. This is the fun time of year because, you you know, the schedule evens out. You don't have long breaks. In other words, you finish on a weekend and by Wednesday or Thursday of the next week, it seems like you're back to action. And so the Dons come off that huge win against Youngstown State on Saturday. And now they're going to be ready for one of the teams at the bottom of the conference standings, Green Bay. Uh, the Phoenix has just one conference win. That's against IUPUI, who is winless so far in the Horizon League. Mm-hmm. But um, but Green Bay has a completely different roster than a year ago. Right. They, I think they brought back one or two players from last year's team. And so uh, Will Ryan, third-year coach, son of Bo Ryan, uh, has his team right now 0-9 on the road. This is one of those games where it's embarrassing if you lose. But it's a conference game and anything can happen. Yeah. They're 2-13. and 13. They've lost 12 of their last 13. They've lost five in a row. There's every reason to believe that the Mastodons will roll in this one. But as soon as the Mastodons believe they will roll in this one, then you have trouble. Because it's the game that Green Bay decides to put something together. Yeah, you can't go into any game thinking that you can roll over the opponent, especially when you get to league play. Like you Mastodons have lost their first two weekends. They have lost the Thursday game of the two-game weekend. Yeah, don't. And wanna... you can't sweep two if you don't win Thursday. Yeah, don't want to repeat that. Uh, having another Thursday loss. Uh, they lost to Detroit Mercy at home back in the early December on a Thursday game. Bounced back and knocked off Oakland on a nationally televised game on Saturday. A couple days later, and uh, and then just a week ago, they lost uh, out of the weekend, probably the lesser of the two opponents in Robert Morris, and the Mastodons lost that game on Thursday, but came back and played really well on Saturday. And so uh, this is one of those situations where the Dons have to win their Thursday game, then worry about Milwaukee, who is a very good team. Milwaukee Milwaukee will give the Dons a challenge, regardless of tonight's outcome. Milwaukee will give them a challenge on Saturday, and that will be a 1 o'clock tip at the Coliseum. But, uh, yeah, Dons, of course, such an experienced team. It's, it's crazy to look out on the court when you see the starters take the court and realize the starters are a sixth-year redshirt senior, a sixth-year grad student, a transfer, 
who got the transfer year plus a COVID year. Um, they've got Jared Godfrey, who's played five straight seasons as a Mastodon. He's a fifth-year senior. Damian Sean Quee is a fifth-year senior. He transferred from the Mount and became uh, immediately eligible to play for the Mastodons. And he's taking advantage of his bonus year because of COVID. And then the fifth starter is Deontay Billups. Oh, he's just a senior. That's it. Certainly a lot of age and experience that the uh, Mastodons bring to the 26 table. years of college basketball experience in their starting lineup. It's a lot. I mean, I don't know how many teams in the country have that kind of experience. That's more years than I've been alive. Yeah. So, so uh, it, yeah, it's been a while. But anyway, we uh, I'll be on the radio call tonight, and I hope you tune in. In fact, I hope even more that you come out and join us at yeah. the Coliseum tonight for some Mastodons basketball. By the way... Uh, best wishes and uh, uh, healthy recovery to John Nolan, who went and got married and didn't only come back with a bride, he came back with COVID. Yeah, some wedding present there. Yeah, <laughs> nice job. Whoever gave John the wedding gift of COVID. Come on. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, so John is out. Right. And, uh, you know, John is, I think, wearing this as a, somewhat of a badge of honor that this is the first time he's gotten COVID, that he's gone this far before he finally got the nasty C stuff. And uh, I said, well, hey, you know, I got you. I got I, I got two within about two months of one another. <laughs> yeah, you have a good one. Um, so, yeah, I uh, I have I was back when I got to when I got it my second time. Mm -hmm. I had some doctors that were telling me impossible. You don't have it. But I had tested negative in between the first time and the second time. I had tested negative. And the second time, I did test positive. So it's like I was positive, I was negative for a month or so, and then I got it again. Huh. And that's why the second time I had it, it was so rough. Because, right. Because uh, it, it was... It was one of those long COVID-type situations because they said you already had not recovered right. from the first time. Now, see, I would have to take the antibody test because I'm still not sure if I've ever had it. Every time I've ever tested, I've, I've tested negative. Really? Really. There's. I wonder what the percentage is of people that have not had it. I, I'm not sure. That I mean, have truly not had yeah, it. Yeah, I could have been symptomless. Like I said, I'd have to take the, the test or whatever to see if I've ever had it. But as far as to my knowledge, I, I've, I've never had it. Huh. Um, but we wish him, obviously, oh, yeah, all the best in recovery and hope that uh, that he does well and gets back to work soon because, uh, you know, he wears many hats, too. He's uh, not only valuable with the tin caps in his full-time capacity, but he does the Mad Ants broadcast. He does Mastodon's men's and women's ESPN Plus broadcast. So mm -hmm. uh, tonight, Josh Ayan is going to fill in for John Nolan. And so if you happen to catch the game on ESPN Plus... Uh, you can listen to Josh, but we would prefer, you know, the way to, to get a Mastodon's game if you have to sit at home and can't be there in person is watch it on the screen, listen to the stream. Oh, yeah. And try to see and make it a game. See if you can sync <laughs> up the two. Um, a, in fact, encouraging news when it comes to DeMar Hamlin. Speaking of illness, of course, DeMar Hamlin hospitalized since Monday night. When he went into cardiac arrest on the field in the Cincinnati Bengals Buffalo Bills game, and we we were at the office talking about this this morning, is that 
it's very fearful when you don't get a whole lot of positive news coming out of a situation. And we had gone the first, what, 60 hours or so, not getting a whole lot of positivity other than his oxygen had gone from 100% to 50%. And everybody was, you know, saying how positive that was. And I said, you know, you have to be careful because sometimes doctors tell you things. And if your family's the one reporting it to the media, sometimes you take something and you consider it a positive just because you're searching for that positive. As a family member, you just want to believe that there's good news somewhere and that the doctor's going to tell you something positive. And you just have to be careful because you, you don't want to get your hopes up that it is positive if it's just a statistic. But today, the doctors actually spoke. And when the doctors start talking, things are turning. And very good news with Damar Hamlin, who apparently gained some consciousness was able to uh, communicate with doctors. In fact, one of the first things he asked, did we win? I, I love that. That's great. that. I mean, that's that's great. I mean, it just what 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 a heart of a player, you know, the, I mean, he first... has no idea that he's probably been out cold for three days. Right. To him, it's probably like still Monday night for all we know. You yeah. know, I, I mean, I, I've never been in that experience. But, the, I can't but imagine. one of the first things. But one of the first things still on his mind mm-hmm. was, did we win? That's great. And so, and they said, um, uh, an odd statement that I've never heard, neurologically intact. Mm-hmm. What's the alternative to neurologically intact? I would assume. Detached? I mean, I don't get that. I would assume nerve damage in the brain that would kind of affect movement. That's what I would assume by neurologically intact, like all of the connections with the brain are still there to the nervous words, system. And everything functions and you have mobility. That's and that's what I'm hoping it means. Yeah, I, I've never heard the term. Right. I, I've never I mean, I know of medically induced comas and we kept hearing he was sedated. Now, does that mean he was in a medically induced coma? I don't know the difference between sedated or medically induced coma. Uh, and then this is also a new term to me. That I have never heard before. Maybe somebody else has heard it, but it was the first time I heard neurologically intact. So maybe somebody could let us know on the Parkview Sports Medicine text line 46862. Maybe we've actually got a doctor tuned in. Uh, if that's a common medical phrase, neurologically intact. But but all all things very encouraging for Damar Hamlin yeah. today. Uh, we're going to get to headlines, hopefully in hour number two. We'll have to keep moving here because we've got Kristen Airy that's going to join us coming up. Uh, we've got, oh, we've got Comet tickets. We'll tell you how to win when we come back. It is the Sports Rush on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Pacers TV play-by-play voice Kristen Airy from Valley Sports Indiana is going to be joining us coming up about 10 minutes from now. Hour number two, we've got Greg Rakestraw and Eric Dutkevich. But uh, as we were talking about DeMar Hamlin before we went to commercial break. Uh, there is some breaking news involving the NFL on this whole subject of what are they going to do with the conclusion of the Buffalo-Cincinnati game. Uh, it sounds like that game's not going to be concluded. And the NFL is working on what could be alternate plans and how they could sort out the seating. Uh, Albert Breer is on top of this, and he just recently tweeted. Yeah, so uh, Albert Breer saying, idea the NFL is discussing with teams that has real traction, uh, seeding by win percentage with the AFC title game at a neutral site if the seeding between the two teams 
was affected by the Bills-Bengals game being canceled. Uh, Indianapolis is floated as one potential site <laughs> to the clubs. Indianapolis. Well, it said Indy in the tweet, but I wanted I, I decided to, to go for Indianapolis. Yeah. yeah, but uh, it says the NFL hasn't <laughs> talked to the Colts yet. But, um, um, well, hey guys. nobody's going to be using the stadium <laughs> yeah, no, that yeah, day. Yeah. I think it's free. In fact, one of the best tweets is that picture you showed me. Yeah, and I know it's hard in radio to tell you what a picture looks like, but if anybody that has seen... You know, those, those, is it a meme? Yeah, it's a meme. It's, it's a, a meme where it shows a blue banner hanging from the roof of Lucas Oil Stadium. And what does it say on the banner? Yeah, so it's a meme of a Colts banner hanging from the rafters, and it reads, hosted the AFC Championship. <laughs> there you go, baby. Raise the banner. <laughs> Raise that banner. Uh, okay, so, so to kind of repeat, here's the situation. If you don't play Buffalo-Cincinnati, you've got, I, I think, like five or six teams that could be impacted in their exact seating and uh, playoff path based on not having results from that game. And so what the NFL is saying is if you end up with two teams scheduled to meet in the AFC championship contest, and those two teams could have been flipped either way. Like, in other words, let's say it's Kansas City-Buffalo. If Buffalo-Cincinnati would have been played, then maybe Buffalo could have had home field. Maybe Kansas City ends up with home field. Maybe Kansas City gets the number one seed because they've got the best win percentage. But if Buffalo was to meet Kansas City, they're saying, wait a minute. We cannot let Kansas City host this game based on win percentage because Buffalo didn't finish the game against Cincinnati. If that occurs, they're saying game at a neutral site. And it, it doesn't mean it's going to be Indianapolis. It's just one of the cities that's being thrown around. And I'm sure what they're trying to find is some central city where travel's about even for both teams, where both teams' fans can still buy tickets because the NFL doesn't want the stadium to sit completely empty, which it won't. But, you know, they want it to be convenient for fans. And uh, and they also don't want to make it more convenient for one fan base because then you're in some ways offering home field. So I, I think, I mean, they're indoor stadiums. I'm just trying to think how many there are in the AFC. Because you'd probably want to play it indoors, so weather is a neutral factor. Uh, I think Indianapolis would be the perfect place to play it. But they wouldn't know until the conclusion of the AFC conference or divisional games who would be playing in the championship for the AFC. And it wouldn't be then until after those games have been completed where you would know, yes, this game now is going to be in Indianapolis and you'd have six, seven days to prepare for it. 46862 is Parkview Sports Medicine text line. Know that text line because it's your chance to win. Guess what we've got? More Comets tickets, a four-pack. You know, and this is what's really cool about it is it's a four-pack. Yeah. Because when you go to the Comet games, if you're a couple and you don't have kids, you might want to invite another couple. Um, if you've got kids, this is an opportunity to have a family night out. It is a four-pack of tickets. That's Why are you great. looking at me? I was just thinking, because also if you're a couple and you don't want to invite anybody, then you get a seat on either side of you, a little free space <laughs> there, too. And uh, Or if you have one child, you there could you. always get a second child by offering the fourth ticket to Adam. <laughs> 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 he, 
He will gladly come and accept your gift of popcorn. Yeah, I do love the stadium popcorn. That's my thing. Do you really? Oh my gosh. Butter? You're oh. you're big on butter? Oh yeah, don't don't get me uh, All right, so so here's what you do. You text fish because it's the comets versus the Toledo walleye. Yes. So it's the fish coming to town. So text the word fish to win comets tickets. It's Saturday night, right? Yep. Saturday, Saturday. night. 7.30 puck draw. Four pack of tickets. We will randomly select one of the t- texts that we receive with the word fish. And it's not like fish, Don Fisher, because that could be F-I-S-C-H. So <laughs> it's fish like fish in the sea because yep. of the walleye. And they're already pouring in, I'll tell you right now. Uh, we'll pick a winner coming up. Uh, you know what we'll do? We'll run this till like 5.10, 5.15. We'll give 30 minutes or so. For people to text in and win with the word fish to 46862 on the Parkview Sports Medicine text line. Um, by the way, Jim Harbaugh, his name obviously in circles right now. And like I said yesterday, I love the fact that Jim Harbaugh makes a statement, which every coach has to be careful with how they they phrase something. Because they're always going to be asked, hey, do you expect to be back at Michigan? And it puts the coach in an awkward spot. What does he yeah. say? No, I think I'm going to get hired by an NFL team. Thanks yeah, for asking. I think I'm out of here, guys. I think I'm out of here. I, yeah. <laughs> Unless I don't, I don't ace the interview process like I like what happened in Minnesota last year. I, I, I think I'm coming back. Yeah, I'm blowing this pot stand, guys. Come on. <laughs> so, so they asked Jim Harbaugh. His response is exactly what you'd expect. Yeah. Very non-committal. Media answer. Uh, you know, at this point, I don't know what the future holds, but I would expect to be back at Michigan. And people up in Michigan are running with this, like, Harbaugh's going to come back. And it's Ooh. like, wait a minute. I read that, and I think, no, that means Harbaugh would like to leave. And the Athletic is reporting that if an NFL team does come calling and offer a head coaching position to Jim Harbaugh, he's out of Ann Arbor. Would you be happy getting him in Indianapolis? I would. I mean, he's an upgrade, definitely, from Jeff Saturday. Harbaugh, though, is one of those guys that with that quirky personality, he has a shelf life. Seven, eight years max, right? I don't know. Maybe he's mellowed as his older age, but everywhere else he's gone. Like San Francisco wanted to move on from Jim Harbaugh. Um, We'll see, though. But what do you think about Jim Harbaugh as the next Colts coach, if the Colts could get him? 46862, Parkview Sports Medicine text line, 46862. Welcome back. Thursday edition of the Sports Rush, your daily local sports fix, 4 to 6. I am Brett Rump along with Adam Lundy. Coming up in hour number two, we'll talk to Greg Rakestraw. Right now, it's our pleasure to welcome back to the program. It's been a while, but we are glad to have from Valley Sports Indiana, Pacers TV play-by-play man, Chris Denary. Good afternoon, Chris. Hey, how are you? Good to talk to you. Good to talk to you. Had a chance to see you. And, of course, you made it up to your perch down in Miami uh, when I was down there. What a thriller. And what a game for Tyrese Halliburton that night. I picked a good one to go see. Oh, you did. Uh, That was a really neat night. Uh, When you think about what the Pacers did that week, they won in Boston on Wednesday and then uh, came back and beat Miami on Friday. Two very tough places to play. And Yeah, I, I... Getting up to that perch in Miami is a lot different now. Uh, we used to be right on the floor, mm-hmm. right across, right across from the benches, and now it's like planes, trains, and automobiles uh, to get up to where we were. <laughs> so 
uh, took a little bit, and we'll uh, we'll be back down there again a little bit later in the year. I, I'm just sorry that my voice doesn't have the same power behind it after a couple of COVID bouts last year because I tried to yell at you over the pregame music. <laughs> you walked right past me on your way up behind the basket. <laughs> And I thought, Chris, 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 and I, 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 just not quite loud enough. But uh, yeah, what position do you like? Because I, I know there are there are arenas where you might be at that mid level suite area, uh, like you were in Miami. There's a lot of courtside seats, sometimes across from the benches, sometimes next to the benches. It's a different perspective in all the, the locations. What do you personally like? Well, I like being on the floor, um, and there are. are are two places you can be at Gamebridge Fieldhouse where the, the scores bench then has, I think maybe eight fans sitting and then it's us and then it's the team bench. And I, I, but, but where I would prefer to be is on the scores bench. You're a little bit closer to the center of the floor. Mm-hmm. There are still some places in the NBA where we are there, but by being down on the floor, there's just so many more things you can see and hear. Uh, you've got access. The officials will come over and talk to you. Um, you know, the, the players love to come by, uh, when they're going out to the floor and give us a fist bump as they're going out. <laughs> you you just feel, you just feel a lot more connected to the game when you're down on the floor. Uh, last night in Philadelphia, we're about mid-level. It's not a bad place, plenty of workspace. Uh, then there are some places like in Chicago where we are on the scores bench and it's really tight and you don't have a lot of, uh, space. Um, I like to put my iPad up to have uh, NBA courtside, mm-hmm. which is a touch screen where you can go between play-by-play and the stats. And in Chicago, you just don't have a lot of room. So uh, every every locale is different. I'm going to say it's probably right now about half-half, 15 we're down and 15 we're up. Um, I know that the locations where we are, um, at, at times for franchises, they, they think they can use those and sell tickets. Uh, but at the same point, TV's paying a lot of money uh, to all these teams uh, from that standpoint. So I would prefer to be on the floor, but I'm just, uh, you know, thankful to be somewhere in the building. You know, it's, it's funny because my preference for a vantage point is to be down on the scores table near the visiting team bench, or in this case, uh, the Mastodon's bench. The only problem is I'm constantly stretching and, and leaning from one side to the other trying to look past the coach because I don't have the convenience of having a TV monitor in front of me. So I never I only see about half of what's actually happening. But uh, but it's yeah, you're right. There's nothing like getting right down there where you can hear the officials calls. You can sometimes pick up on conversations. You can see sometimes the players reactions a little bit better. Uh, it, it's nice to be down there up close and you mentioned that boston game i want to go back to that because winning at boston is a rarity a lot of teams do not get that job done and it seems to have i don't know what the right word is but it's propelled this team it's a young team that has talent but sometimes you need to get that win before you start to truly believe uh that you're as good as you think you are and the team's been really good since since that boston win yeah, and that's why last night was so disappointing. You're down 13 in Philadelphia, another tough place. They had won, they've now won 11 straight at home and, uh, I think 15 out of 16. And you're down 13, uh, going to the fourth quarter and yet you've got a four point lead with under a minute to play and then turn it over a couple of times, which really has, has not happened to this team. I mean, 
They've played a lot of close games. Uh, they came back and rallied in three of the last four uh, at Gamebridge Fieldhouse. So it was a little bit surprising, but again, it was on the road. And and you're right, the, the, the young guys have really done a nice job on the road. They've already won eight road games. Uh, the Pacers only won nine road games all of last year in an 82-game season. So they, they have definitely learned how to do those things. And you're right, I'll go back really early in the year, the Pacers – uh, were one and two to start. Went on the road, lost at Philadelphia, lost at Chicago. They were one and four, and they were looking at three games at Washington and then two at Brooklyn. And on a Friday and Saturday night, they beat Washington and then beat Brooklyn. And in Brooklyn, was loaded with uh, Simmons and Kyrie and Kevin Durant. And I think those games back in October gave them a lot of confidence. And as you said, going on the road as the schedule got tougher in December. And winning at Boston and Miami, uh, I, I think definitely has has paid big dividends for this team. And you know, now over the last week plus, they've won six of eight. Uh, they've got two more home games this week before going back out on the road to New York next week. So uh, a real chance over the next two weeks. In fact, four or five at home. Uh, you know, to uh, solidify yourself in the top six in the East. And of course, we know the importance of that because you're in the playoffs and don't have to play that play in. What about the officiating last night? And I thought you handled yourself very well and were very professional in making uh, an opinion fairly well known that you didn't agree with some of the calls. And if you watch them on instant replay, it does look like there was a little bit of a push in the back. Harden pushing, uh, I believe it was Matherin. And uh, and then Buddy Heald on that final three got a little bit of a spin. And it looked like a little brush from Harden while he was in the air may have turned his body I know you talk about the two-minute report. Uh, what did it say? Did it back up the opinion that most of us Pacers fans had, or did it say that the officials got it right? Well, I, I've reloaded it, and it has yet to come out, and I'm a little wow. bit surprised because it's uh, 4.45, and uh, the last two-minute report is for January the 3rd. So it has not come out yet. Um, still waiting to see it, and... I mean, they are very transparent. I mean, the the Bulls and DeMar DeRozan had a couple of uh, foul calls go against him uh, that the two-minute report said were wrong. So it, it'll be interesting to see what they say. I, I think the one thing that, you know, Benedict Matherin has to understand a little bit, he's a rookie, and, you know, you're going to, up against James Harden, and officials are human too, and <laughs> I, I get that. Um, and so a lot of times they're going to give the benefit of the doubt to the veteran. But it just seemed clear in late-game situations last night that the whistle was not friendly to the Pacers, and, and it was critical, um, especially uh, in overtime. Uh, so we'll just have to wait and see. Again, it, it won't do anything. It's not like they'll say, hey, the Pacers won the game. Uh, but, but at least the transparency is there so that the NBA is saying, hey, our officials made a mistake. This is what it should have been. But uh, at this point, we have seen nothing yet. I've got my iPad here. I'm refreshing. And uh, still nothing uh, as of 445. What's the chemistry? You get to fly with these guys. What's the chemistry like? Because it sure seems like Miles Turner, Buddy Heald, that they have kind of embraced this team. And all the buzz before the season started was they were two guys that probably wouldn't be around long or at least through the rest of the season has that changed? Uh, the, the chemistry hasn't changed. I mean, you're, you're spot on. I mean, our athletic training staff, our sports performance guys and gals, they've been around this team. They've been with the franchise anywhere from 15 to 20 years. So they've been around a long time. 
they've seen a lot of teams that have been really good, and they've seen a few like last year that that you know had a very poor record. Mm-hmm. And they have all said this is the best group collectively that they have ever seen from player one to player fifteen in the locker room. And uh, they don't care who scores, who gets um, you know the accolades. Clearly, they march to the beat of Tyrese Halliburton, and he is. I truly believe he's like the Pied Piper, um, and he's very genuine in in who he is. The the best word that I've heard, and it, and it comes from Rick Carlisle, he says that Tyrese is authentic, and I, I think that's really important as the leader of the team, and he plays with a lot of joy, a lot of emotion. I, I think that's been the real key with Halliburton and Heald coming over last February, is these guys love to play basketball. They don't want to miss games. They play with a lot of joy, and that rubs off on their teammates. So I think that's been a, a, a real factor. Uh, it's a young and talented team. You get, I mean, you look at what they were doing last night um, in a closing situation. For the better part of the fourth quarter and all of overtime, they had two rookies on the floor, Andrew Nemhard and Benedict Matherin. And then you've got Halliburton, who's a third-year player, uh, Miles Turner and Buddy Heald. So, you know, right there is a nice mix of young and, and two veterans that are helping lead the way. And, you know, we don't know uh, what the conversations are with the front office and with Miles and those types of things, but everything that I feel or I'm hearing that Miles really enjoys this, um, you know, I think it is a much, di- he's in a much different place, uh, with how he is utilized on the floor really enjoys playing with a, a pass-first type point guard in Tyrese Halliburton. So that I think that's where we are right now. It's it's just a group that really enjoys being around each other. I can, I can tell you that from being on the bus with them, from being on the plane, and I think that's carried over to the floor as well. What about the All-Stars? Can a guy like Tyrese Halliburton make it for number one? What will it take to get him on the team? Number two, do you think that will happen? But number three, with the fan vote, can they ever be a starter from a smaller market team? Well, I mean, sure, you can be Giannis, you know, from Milwaukee, uh, who, you know, it doesn't matter where he plays. Um, There can be, um, you know, the the way that Tyrese will make the all-star team is he'll have to be voted in by the coaches. He's not going to be one of the five starters. Right but the coaches vote on the seven reserves. The one thing that I would say in both the East and the West, I mean, there are a lot of really good players. I mean, you may not be one of the 12, but you might be one of the 15, and you may be one of the guys on the outside looking in. Clearly what he's done this year, averaging 20 and 10, it has to, has to give him huge consideration, but it is a very deep Eastern Conference. I mean, uh, I mean, look at Boston. They've got two guys in, in Tatum and Brown uh, who are going to be all-stars, uh, whether they're starters or not. You've got Joel Embiid. You've got James Harden. You've got Kyrie Irving. You've got Giannis, Trey Young. I mean, I can go on and Donovan on. Donovan Mitchell, you Trey Young. Donovan, and Donovan Mitchell. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's a long list. Donovan, yeah, I mean, there's it's, it's a super long list. Zach Levine, DeMar DeRose. I mean, we could start naming 20 players that all deserve to be all-stars, so... Um, I, I've said this. I think the league is as good as it's been in a long time. I think there's a lot of parity. I think there's a lot of dynamic young players, and that's only good. I mean, uh, so, you know, we'd all love to see Tyrese make it, but but there are a lot of good players, and, and it will be up to the coaches to determine who those seven reserves will be.
Do you have a theory as to why we're seeing so many huge individual performances right now? We mentioned Donovan Mitchell. Just makes me think of the 71-point game he had a couple of nights ago. But that's that's not an individual performance. I mean, we saw 54 from Clay, 55 from Giannis. I mean, it, it's been almost a nightly occurrence. Yeah, the, these guys are really good. Luka Doncic had, what, a five, six, seven game stretch. He's averaging 40-plus. I mean, you've got the best players in the world. Even if you're a solid defender, uh, a good offensive player is going to be able to score. Um, and and I just think the other thing is is we're in a we're in a up tempo, fast pace uh, style of play right now. So mm-hmm. there are a lot more possessions, and so the scores are going to be higher. I mean, think about it. There were there were times back in two thousand three, four, five, six games were in the seventies. Um, games were in the 80s. Uh, there were a lot less possessions. They used every bit of that 24-second shot clock. Nowadays, uh, you you want to try to push it up the floor and score as quickly as possible because you don't want to go up against teams' half-court defense. You know, I look at a team like Toronto, who the Pacers played on Monday. At times, they'll put five guys on the floor that are six eight and six nine, and they'll switch everything. And it's very difficult to run a half-court offense against them. So I just think there are so many more possessions in an NBA game in 2023 that you are going to see more points. And you're, you're talking about Giannis and Doncic. Uh, Embiid had 40-plus the other night. Um, you know, Devin Booker's had a big night. Clay Mitchell. I mean, you're talking about guys that are unbelievable scorers. And uh, it's it's sort of all happening right now, watching these guys put big points on the board. Who's the best player right now in the NBA? Is it still Giannis, or is Doncic caught up with him? Oh, uh, Doncic, he's probably he's probably right there. But I I still think the guy you fear the most most is Giannis. Uh, I just think he can do so much, and and when he hits the perimeter shot, I, I just don't know how you stop him because he's a guy that just. You know, at seven foot, he runs the floor so well. Uh, he's like a freight train. Um, I still would put him and, and hey, we're, we're not, we haven't even mentioned a guy in the West who's the two time defending MVP and that's Nikola Jokic. Yeah. I mean, this is a guy that, um, has really worked on his body. He's probably in the best shape that he's been in. I mean, he's a guy that can average a triple double because he's such a good passer from the center position. So, um, I, I still would go with Giannis one. I'd have Doncic and Jokic there. Um, you know, Donovan Mitchell has definitely elevated his game into a top ten position. Uh, Durant is incredible. Um, Embiid. So there, there are a lot of talented players in the NBA right now. When you talk about Jokic out in Denver, uh, isn't it amazing that it's a guy whose probably natural skill set, what he developed as as a younger player totally is not fit for today's NBA style, and yet he's made himself an NBA-style player as a big man. Yeah, and he was a second-round draft pick. Uh, you know, he was not even selected in the first round. I mean, think about Giannis. I mean, nobody knew who Giannis was when he came uh, to the NBA as a rookie. So you have to give these guys a lot of credit for how they hone and develop their skill and it really happens in the offseason. I mean, I look at the Pacer schedule right now. There's just not a lot of practice time. Yeah. You've got to keep guys healthy and fresh. And so now's the time that you're not really developing your skills. You're just trying to maintain it. 
So the development of the skills happens in the off season, and these guys put in an incredible amount of time uh, to do that to get to the point where each and every year they're ready for the challenge of a long NBA season. I don't know if you've done the math, but real quick before we ask about Portland, uh, I did the math last night, and if LeBron does get back on the court, I know he was out with illness last night, uh, I, was, I was doing some of the, the math and figuring if he averages about 32, 33 points a game, which I know is pretty lofty, but if he does, there's a chance he could get that all-time NBA scoring title in Indianapolis. That would that would add a little drama to that one. Yeah, that that would add a lot of drama. Yeah, early February, the Pacers have a back to back against uh, the the Lakers and San uh, Sacramento. Yeah, so that that would be very interesting to see if uh, he would be zeroing in on that day. I mean, think about uh, the other night on his thirty uh, eighth birthday. He told his teammates, he goes, "Hey, I'm going to go for 40. and he went for forty seven. <laughs> so uh, even at thirty eight years of age, I mean, this is a guy that again, is immensely talented, but has put in a tremendous amount of work. And, uh, yeah, we, we've got a, a month to go before we see LeBron and the Lakers. Just keep an eye on that date on the schedule. And, by the way, he plays at Madison Square Garden the night, be- the night before, or the game before. I, I happen to notice that, too. And I, I know LeBron and his uh, love of the history of the game, and that might actually be a date that he's got in his mind. Uh, all right, Portland, coming in tomorrow night, what can you tell us about the scouting report for Portland? Well, these will be two teams that are in identical positions in their conference. Uh, the Pacers with the loss last night dropped from 6th to 7th, and Portland is also 7th in the West. Uh, the Pacers are 21-18, and 18, Portland is 19-18. and 18. Um, You know, the Pacers have a little payback. Uh, they lost to Portland on that road trip uh, back in November. Uh, they're a very talented team. They've got Damian Lillard that I think people know about, uh, Jeremy Grant. Anthony Simons is a, a excellent three-point shooter. Uh, Chauncey Billups, uh, the longtime uh, Detroit Pistons guard, is their coach. So this is a very talented team. As I said, uh, you, you just look at the records. You have a lot of teams. I look in the East, one, two, three, four. There are four or five teams that are either three games over 500 or three games below 500. And I look at the West, and it's like seven teams. <laughs> So there are a lot of very equal teams as far as I'm concerned, and uh, Portland is one of those. So uh, Portland tomorrow night, then Charlotte on Wednesday, then the Pacers have a couple of days off before they head to New York. And then next weekend, it's a dynamic back-to-back. It's Atlanta with Trey Young back in town. And then on Saturday night, the 14th, John Morant and Memphis uh, will be. So John Conchar will I'll be at Gamebridge Fieldhouse uh, a week from Saturday. I'm hoping that I will be down there at Gamebridge Fieldhouse a week from Saturday. I hope to make it down there. It's a rare weekend off for the Mastodon, so it works out well in the schedule here as well. Chris, always enjoy uh, your coverage and enjoy you joining us here on the Sports Rush. Take care, and uh, we'll touch base again. All right. Thanks, Brett. We hope to do it again. We'll do it shortly. Thanks. I appreciate that. That is Chris Denary. He's the TV play-by-play voice of the Indiana Pacers on Valley Sports Indiana. We're at the top of the hour. we got to get a break in, get an update, and we've got hour number two coming up on the Sports Rush on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM.